Hello, this is Pastor Don from the Atlantic Evangelical Free Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check us out on the web at AtlanticFreeChurch.com. In the meantime, I hope the sermon you're about to hear draws you closer to the Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening, and God bless you. Well, good morning. It is uh, good to be back with you after a couple of weeks away. Um, I'm Don McLean. For those who know me, don't know me, um, I want to say a big uh, thank you to Pastor Andrew for preaching in my my uh, for in my stead and doing a wonderful job a couple of weeks ago, and also to the Gideon's ministry for Steve Golerick Golerick covering last week. Um, thanks to to the women's ministry for that lovely gift basket you put together, and so many of you contributed to uh, just for for our family. Just taking a, a little bit of time away, we've appreciated that your uh, your love for us. Um, also, I just wanted to explain in case you missed it in the bulletin. Um, you're like, did I stumble into like you know the Oscars or something with the photos being taken? Um, we're we're updating our website with the rollout of of the new church name. We are uh, we have renamed our, ourselves Grace Point Church, uh, and we're launching that officially on September 12th. We're going to kind of have a celebratory Sunday that day, uh, and part of that whole big process of, is uh, is updating or just doing some revisions on our website. So we're grabbing some candidates for that. So that's why we're having some pictures taken we don't usually do that on a Sunday but uh, so thank you uh, to those ladies who are doing that and uh, if you don't want your picture if you're like oh I, I, I hate the shirt I wore today or something like that um, just let us know we can definitely take out any pictures if you don't want to be on the website we're very very glad to do that so so just let us know I think we have a form for that but also just, just tell us and we'll help you find the form um, next week we are going to start a new series in Zephaniah I realized recently I have not preached in a minor prophet in a long time, and I wanted to, and so I uh, kind of did some praying, some reading of different ones, and, and Zephaniah is a great book, I think, for the times we live in. So in August, we're actually going to do a little four-week series on the three-chapter book of Zephaniah, and if you'd like to get even more out of that, I'd recommend you read it. Sit down at some point this week and read Zephaniah chapters 1, 2, and 3. It's close to the end of the Old Testament, um, and uh, we'll, we'll wade into that next week. Uh, but this morning, uh, we have the opportunity, you get one more Sunday without me, we have uh, the opportunity this morning to hear from a, a longtime friend of our church. Uh, it's my pleasure this morning to introduce to you Lois McNeil, uh, and Lois is down here, so I'll bring you up in just a second. Um, our church has partnered with Lois. She's been one of our, our global partners for, for over 20 years. I didn't go back and look at exactly how many, but for quite a while now. So some of you who have been here longer know Lois, uh, but for those who are maybe newer to the church or who just like a refresher, uh, let me just tell you a little bit about who she is and, and uh, a little bit of an overview of what she does. She's mostly going to, she's not going to really go into her ministry so much this morning. I've actually asked her to kind of share something uh, more visionary, more principled, but uh, let me just tell you a little bit about the ministry she does. So uh, Lois's husband, his name is, was Jim, uh, was an EFCA pastor. He's a, a free church pastor for over 25 years. So the two of them together did that ministry, mostly in, in Nebraska, I believe. And uh, in the 1990s, through a series of things going on in their own lives and in things happening globally, the Lord shifted their call. He called them overseas. And so they left the healthy, thriving church that they were, they were leading to follow the Lord's call elsewhere. And they served, and uh, they served together until 2009. And the Lord called Jim home, uh, and and so he's he's in heaven now. He's with the Lord. And uh, Lois could have left the work at that point, but I don't remember if you even thought about doing so. <laughs> there was no question in her mind. She just kept going uh, with the work that they were doing. 
Now, for, for security reasons, I'm not going to talk this morning about which countries, remember, we're broadcasting on the internet, and just for security purposes, I'm not going to go into which countries uh, her, her work touches. If you'd like to know more about kind of those nitty-gritty sort of details, uh, come talk to Lois afterwards, or actually, we're going to make available kind of an informal Q&A time afterwards. I believe their coffee fellowship is this morning, so go out, grab a cup of coffee and a, a, a probably not a donut per se, but something to, to eat if you'd like, and you're welcome to bring that back into here after the service if you'd like, and Lois can just kind of take some questions in an informal sort of way and tell you all about the countries where that she touches, but um, so, so that's available to you afterwards. You could also stop by the ministry table. There's a table you probably noticed when you came in that has lots of resources, sign-ups for email newsletters and so on. But just to give you an overview of what she does, and then I'll, go, I'll sit down and bring her up. Um, as, as I've thought about Lois's ministry, there's kind of three branches to it, three arms to that, ministry, that work that she and, and Jim did together. Um, the, arm number one is, is a theological training piece, and that's actually where it, where it all began. That's what they, they left the pastoral ministry to do, uh, as they really launched a ministry that does biblical training for people who don't have access to the kind of training we have here in the United States. Uh, we have lots of seminaries and Bible colleges, but there are parts of the world that don't. And so uh, that ministry, they launched that back in the, in the mid-90s. Uh, that ministry is pretty much entirely passed off now to, to nationals, to people in the country of origin, where that all started. Uh, Lois still talks about that ministry a lot, though. She's kind of a cheerleader now for, for that ministry. But that theological training piece is one part of it. Um, a, a second part of her ministry is uh, this compassion ministry, and she has a whole separate prayer letter that has to do with that, and uh, working with different people really to gain a, a hearing for the gospel, and also really serving a specific population in, in the part of the world where she works that is kind of underserved and, and neglected. And so that's the second part of her ministry, this compassion ministry. And then the third big part of what she does, and it's really where most of her emphasis goes now, is on evangelism and evangelism training. And uh, she's actually developed a series of courses. Uh, those courses are used in that theological training tool that, I, that was part one. They actually use her courses as part of what they use. And so there's a big emphasis at this season in her life on evangelism ministry, not just in the United States, but overseas. And so, uh, like I say, if you want to know more about all that work that she does, and we support it, she's one of our supported uh, partners. Uh, if you'd like to know more about it, definitely talk to her, get on her, her lists, and you can, uh, you can find out more about that. But uh, for now, uh, I'd like to have us uh, be, be encouraged this morning. And so I've asked Lois to come, come on up, please. And uh, I've asked her to share on something that's very dear to her heart, and it's dear to our heart, too. It's very central to the way we think about the work that we do as a church, and it is the, the Great Commission and being a Great Commission people. So um, I'm going to pray for you and then pass it off to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, we all need it. Oh, and I pushed all the buttons. I told you not to push. Um, there we go. Oh. Oh, we're good. We're good. Okay. Okay. Lord, uh, we thank you so much for our sister, and uh, we would just pray that you will uh, give her good words for us to hear this morning, and uh, just give us hearts that are eager to, to just think through some of these passages and some of these testimonies and some of these principles that she shares with us today. Uh, glorify Jesus through her, and in Christ's name we pray for her. Amen. 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 There's that. It works just like it did before. Okay. All right. <clears throat> well, I'm glad to see so many of you here this morning. I was pretty sure that if you knew anything about me, you knew something about me. <laughs> and that something had to do with evangelism, right? Okay. Uh, so I started to think, I wonder, 
if you know I'm coming today, you might decide to take a vacation. And I was thinking, well, that would be pretty scary. But then I remembered what your pastor wrote me in one email. And he said that this fall, you people were going to be participating in a Billy Graham Association outreach. And in the spring, uh, you're going to be participating in a week-long life action revival event. And I thought, well, those two things told me that this church is not the usual American church. And so I had hopes that I would come to not a pretty empty church. So my prayers have come true, and I'm thankful that you're here this morning. You know the proverb, all roads lead to Rome. Well, in my case, all roads lead to evangelism, either doing it or talking about it. And this morning, I'm going to... uh, talk about it, but the question I had to answer was, what road will I take to talk about evangelism this morning? The possibilities were countless, and I liked them all, but I decided to travel down the what and where road that intersects with a how and why road. I see that most people in our world are traveling down these two roads. I wonder which one you're traveling down right now. In some ways, it seems somewhat predictable which of the two roads you're traveling down, depending on your age. Not always, but often. It seems that younger people usually choose to travel down the what and where road. In other words, they are preoccupied with, what do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to do in my free time? What kind of person do I want to marry? Have you been there and done that? I have. When we are young, life is one big adventure. And there's so much to see and so much to experience, discover. But some people travel down that road all their life. And only on their deathbed, if they have the privilege of time to, th- to think over their life, do they start traveling down the why and the how road. Well, better late than never. But thank God, most people do see that intersection much earlier in life because they've grown tired of what's available on the what and where road. It seems to just recycle around more of the same, the same old, same old. So they become passionate, if not desperate, travelers down the why and how road. Why am I alive? Why was I born? Is there a purpose for my life? Is there something that I was made for? William James, an American philosopher, historian, and psychologist said this, the best use of life is to spend it on something that outlasts it. What outlasts life? Eternity. 2 Corinthians 4.18, and I had the scriptures put on a bulletin insert for you so that you can meditate and read these scriptures uh, this week during your devotional times. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. 
The unseen world that is eternal, friends, is the spiritual half of the universe. And they begin to get curious about God and angels and demons. And is there life after death? Jesus asked a very important question in Matthew 16, 26. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Okay, that's the visible part of our universe, but it's temporary. What will it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and loses his own soul? That's the invisible part, right? That lasts forever. And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Everybody knows. <laughs> Nobody would want to give in exchange for our soul. Because <clears throat> our souls are the part of us that will live forever, one place or other, heaven or hell. This morning I want to talk to about evangelism related to the why am I here road. Because the longer I live, the more I understand the critical need of the church corporately, of born-again believers individually to understand why they are here. <clears throat> the, ma <clears throat> the majority of church people that I talk to, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> do not know <clears throat> why they are here. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This happens sometimes. They don't really know why they are here. Um, let me see where I'm at. <clears throat> okay, and more importantly and sadly, they do not know the purposes that God has for them to fulfill after they became born again redeemed, saved, whatever synonym you want to use for it. After they became a born-again Christian, uh, what purposes does God have for their life? Many just go through life aimlessly, not on a mission, just want, trying to enjoy life one way or another. Absolutely no different from the non-believers in our world. Others are very purpose-driven, but they are on a mission but not the mission that God has for them. Jesus has called us to and sent us on a very specific mission. I want to start by sharing with you some verses in the Psalms that, made a, uh, that makes it clear that God has a specific plan and purpose for our lives. And it has, these verses have made a profound impact on me since I was a young person. <clears throat> it's in Psalms uh, 139, and we'll start with verse 14. And again, this is, is, is on your bulletin insert. Young people especially listen to this closely. It says here, King David is saying, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know them well. Do you really believe that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? 
Do you understand that you are an awesome work of God? You are not an accident that happened or some blob that just evolved and kept on evolving. You were the intentional work of a perfect holy God to fulfill specific purposes he was creating for you to live out in your life. The Bible teaches that in many places. Let's read on. Verse 15. My frame or my skeleton was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. God not only knew what was going on with you as you were being formed in your mother's womb, but he was guiding the whole process so that everything about you would be just what was needed to carry out his purposes for your life. Did you know that? If you know it, do you believe it? I absolutely do. It goes on to say, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, it really means your mother's womb, your eyes saw my unformed body. And then what? Here's the verse. Whoops, that's not right. Okay, it's already there. <laughs> All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Before you were born, there was a book written about your life according to God's plan. Is that reassuring to you? God had a plan for your life. That's why he created you. And he even wrote a book about it. So what does the word ordained mean? Because it says all the days ordained for me was written in your book. Well, <clears throat> ordained means that a person who has the right and the power has made a firm decision and proclamation about something that is to be obeyed or lived out. And that is what God was writing in his book. So do you get the picture? God made a firm decision about the purpose of your life before you were born. And he wrote a book about it and put your name on it. <coughs> it seems to me like God has a library in heaven. We already know about the record book of sins that the Bible tells us about that will be opened at the great white throne judgment. And the people there will be judged out of it, whether or not they will go to heaven or hell. Thankfully, we know there is another book called the Lamb's Book of Life, where the names of every born-again person are written. And when they come to repentance and faith, in trust in Jesus Christ, death and resurrection for their salvation, all of these people do not have to appear at that great white throne judgment. And now we're finding out that every person on earth has a book that was written about the story of their life as God has planned it from the day they were born until the day they die. And all the purposes he has for you and me and everyone else that will make our life worth living and bring meaning and purpose and joy to him. There is a master's plan for your life and for mine, and nothing can compare with his purposes and his story for our life.
Nothing can ever compensate for not living out his story. Nothing. Do you believe that? Because God's ways are always the best ways. He is all wise. He loves you unconditionally. But here's the, the, the problem. God did not make us as a robot. He gave you and me the free will to choose to either live out his story or write your own story according to your will. And those stories that we write never, ever compare with the one that the Creator planned for you. I'm telling you, I couldn't in my wildest imagination have written a book about my life and what, it seems like I've had about four different lives already, and they're all very exciting. I have a question for you. If you were able to reproduce an electronic script of your life as lived from birth until now, how closely do you think it would match the biography that God wrote in his book about your life? If the people who were close to you during those years read some chapters in this electronic book, God's book, would they immediately know that this is your story that they were reading? Or would it be so different that they wouldn't have a clue that that book was written about you? As long as I can remember, I have been deeply motivated to seek to write the story of my life to match as closely as possible the story that he wrote in my book before I was even born. How do we know how to write that story? Well, I can give you two biggies. Number one, we have to know God's heart. And that happens when we study God's word regularly. Try to seek and plan that every day you are in God's word, that you are reading it, that you are thinking about it, that you are journaling about it, and, and how that affects you and what God wants you to do. Second biggie, pray to obey. Also during your prayer time, listen to his voice about the things that he didn't tell us in his word. He'll have some specific things. Actually, I don't hear an audible voice, but he speaks to me through thoughts that he puts in my head. And I'm finally, at my age, getting to where I can, I can pretty much discern when some of those thoughts, when they're from him, and whether they just appeared or they came from me, I'm getting much better at that. I wasn't real good at that for a long time. But these two things, being in God's word and praying and listening for his voice and seeking to obey what what he shows us, believe me, will keep us on the script. At least we won't be writing a totally different story about our lives. Now, I want to say one more thing about these books that God has written for everyone. They are all different. Even identical twins do not have the same story. How well do I know? Because I was married to one. God didn't make cookie-cutter people, not even identical twins. We are all uniquely different because God has uniquely different purposes for each of our lives. But I want to say this. There are some chapters in everyone's book that have the exact same titles because God wants those exact same purposes fulfilled in everyone's life. 
However, the story in those chapters, written under the subtitles, is very different. It's your personal story. So what chapters do you think have the same title in all your neighbors, your co-workers, everything, their book? You and them have some chapters that the title is the same. One of those chapters is titled, Born Again. Friends, that is ground zero for living out God's story and his purposes for your life. We can't do anything going through life half alive. Life isn't going to be full of meaning and joy for anyone that's half alive. You know what I'm talking about, right? When we're born, we're born into the world physically, but we are spiritually dead. The Bible talks about this over and over again. We need another birth, a second birth. And the most important things in life are connected to the spiritual dimension of man. Now, if I was any other place but church, I would start speaking to people about their need to become spiritually alive through repentance and faith in Christ as their Savior and Lord. Oh, how I love to do this, a million different ways. But since I'm in church, I think that most of you have probably written that chapter in your book. So I'm going to talk to you about another chapter in everyone's book that has the same title. It's called Called and Sent. This chapter is all about why God has left you and me on earth after the day we were born again. Instead of taking us straight home to heaven. Have you ever seriously thought about that? Especially since all of God's purposes for our lives can be accomplished much better in heaven than here on earth. So why does he leave us here? Well, God has several great purposes for our lives. Two of them have to do with love. Number one, loving God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving people. Can we do that better in heaven than on earth? (laughs) Absolutely. Also, one of his purposes is that we become more and more like Christ. Can we do that better in heaven than on earth? Absolutely. Other purposes that he has for every one of us is to worship him and to serve him. Can we do that better in heaven than on earth? We had a great worship time this morning. And uh, I w- I'd like to get that. those songs that you picked today. Oh, my goodness. I have to send them to my, one of my friends in the Middle East that has got to hear those songs. And he knows English, so I, somehow help me get those songs. Um, Because the angel armies is actually what we pray about many times for protection there. So, all of this is better if God would have just taken us to heaven. And also, we wouldn't have had to suffer through all the many things that all of us have had to suffer through in our lives. And trials and sicknesses and injustices and pain and evil during the years that we've lived since we were born again and before the heaven chapter starts. So why wouldn't he take us straight to heaven? I think for some of you it's dawning on you, isn't it? The only thing that we can do better on earth 
than in heaven. Actually, I should say, <laughs> the only thing we can do on earth that we can't do in heaven is evangelism. <laughs> there aren't going to be any lost people there. We are called to share the good news of the gospel with half-dead people to see them become fully alive. We are sent to open the blind eyes and turn people from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place with the sanctified in heaven. Friends, the grand purpose of every born-again believer is to make him the Savior aware to those that do not know about him. And that is why God has called us and he has sent us, and the scriptures talk about it over and over again. We are ambassadors. We are to be fishers of men. We are to be laborers in the harvest field. God used prophets and disciples and the apostle Paul to all tell us the same thing in different ways, using different metaphors, and still most people in our churches don't get it. Or if they get it, they decide they're not going to do it. Well, some of you might say, well, that's because, you know, many pastors today don't preach about this. People don't know. Well, I agree. That's part of the problem. But if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, are you reading your Bible every day? If you are, you're going to come across it over and over and over again. And I know a few pastors that do preach about these things fairly regularly. But still, it isn't happen, happening. How can that be? Well, I know one thing. There are people who listen to sermons like they listen to a lecture. They just add some more information or insight into the pile of knowledge that they have in their heads about the Bible. And that's it. For whatever reason, they are deaf to the voice of God. After all, that's what makes a sermon a sermon, right? It's when you hear the Lord's voice. And this is a very grave problem. Why are so many people so stone deaf? The reasons are critical. And some of them indicate that the person may only be a cultural Christian and not a born-again one. But when God speaks, we should be listening and clearly understand his voice. And the only reasonable response is to answer like we read about people in the Bible. When Isaiah heard God calling him to go and to tell the people, what did he say? He said, here am I. Send me. When Moses heard God's voice calling him out of the burning bush, what did he say? He said, here am I. It means I'm listening. When Abraham heard God's voice, he said, here am I. When Samuel heard God's voice, he said, here am I. God spoke to Saul, who became the apostle Paul, and God said to him, I am sending you to them. 
to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of God to the power, power of Satan to the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place with me in heaven. When God speaks, people should listen for the purpose of obeying. God often uses people to be his megaphone, to help deaf people hear his voice. He used Peter in this way to begin to speak to, to believers who had been scattered all over the world at that time because of persecution against them. And he wanted to make sure that these believers knew their calling. And in 1 Peter 2.21, Peter tells this to them, to, to this you were called. Called to what? To suffer for the sake of sharing the gospel. Friends, we know almost nothing about this in America. And yet we are some of the world's people that do the least job of sharing the gospel with people. Why? Friends, you have no idea how our brothers and sisters have suffered for their faith in the former Soviet Union. During 70 plus years before the atheistic communistic regime toppled and crashed. For 10 years, Jim and I heard over and over and over again, story after story after story of suffering and death. Right now, if you're getting my prayer letters, you know about the Seed Money Project, that we are helping a young man who is 37 years old, living in a country where they are greatly persecuted for, for, for their faith. He has experienced more suffering in his young, short life for being a Christian than you can even imagine. But he has also experienced more miracles in his personal life than many churches in America corporately could come up with stories to tell about. Um, on the back table, there is a picture of this young man with his family. And we, I can't put it on the screen. Um, he's almost lost his life a number of, life, of, of times. And um, if you signed up for either the prayer, evangelism prayer letter or the compassion prayer letter, uh, both of them are, are, are also got a place in that we're talking about him and what we are doing to help him carry out God's calling in his life. And so, uh, pick up. I printed off a bunch of pictures of his family because I know for me, when I want to pray for someone and really pray for them, I like to have a picture of them in my mind. And that's why I printed those off and uh, put on the table. Pray for his protection. That's why that song on the angel armies. In fact, we talk about it. We have a secret meeting place where, I don't know if you know, there's video place rooms that you can get and... Uh, you have no phone numbers, no name, no registration, and after your video is done, it burns the video. That's what we have to talk on. But we talk about angel armies protecting him. And um, <clears throat> he, asks, he needs prayer for that uh, all the time. And then for him to courageously carry out what he's been doing all these years. And um, it's, it's a very great inspiration to know that... Uh, He's ready to live 
or die for Christ. And every day, he's thankful that he's alive one more day. But he always says, I don't know how long I will be. So why would God call us to suffer for sharing the gospel? Well, just read on in that verse in 1 Peter. It says, because Christ suffered for you, leaving an example that you should follow in his steps. The apostle John heard the voice of God saying to him in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Some translations say, but I have ordained you. Ordained us for what? To go and bear fruit. That means lead people to the Savior, making him their Savior and Lord. Why make him Lord? Because that is who he is. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He, that means he is the master of masters. A master is a person who rules. In order for Jesus to be our Savior, he needs to come in and rule. He doesn't just want to come in. He wants to take over. Because we need him to save us from what? Our sins? Yes, absolutely. But more than that, we need him to come in and to save us from ourselves. The Bible refers, I don't know why in America, so often I hear people talk about accepting Christ as your Savior. Period. Whatever happened to the Lord part? The Bible refers to him as the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a new master. He has a plan for our life. Immediately after Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, he added this phrase, fruit that will last. I can tell you that it won't happen unless you lead people to Christ as their Savior and Lord. Making Christ our Lord, our boss of our life, is what's necessary to become a disciple, to follow him long term for the harvest to last. Jesus wants the harvest to be used to bring in the next harvest in the future. People lead people to Christ. Who lead people to Christ? Who lead people to Christ? Every born-again Christian is made to reproduce, to bring in another harvest. Nowhere in the Bible is there any reference to the fact that Christians don't share the gospel and don't lead people to Christ. Yet evangelical churches in America are now defined by this plague. Statistics show that 95% of Christians in our evangelical churches these days have never led even one person to Christ. 95%. That comes from research that's done on big churches, small churches, rural churches, city churches, international churches with many different races. It is a plague. It's a tragedy. And friends, this is the biggest reason our nation is in dire straits today. If every born-again person was living out the purposes that God was, had written in their book before they were born, 
our nation would still be a Christian nation and we would be much more Christian than we were 50 years ago. The Apostle Paul wanted to make sure that all believers hear God's voice and, are, and relate to their calling. And he wrote 2 Corinthians 5.15. It says, and he died for all that those who live. Paul now is talking about, talking about people who are spiritually alive, people that are fully alive because we've had a spiritual birth. Okay, let's, let's start over. It says, he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Then Jesus Christ told us what he meant when he said to live for him. It meant to continue to carry out the great commission that he gave us after he left earth until he returns. And Jesus' very words were this, go. And it might be across the street, friends, or it might be across the ocean, but he said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That starts with the good news, becoming born again baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the close of the age. When Jim and I left for the mission field in 1995, many churches had evangelism training programs here in America that were regularly happening. During the 26 years that we have been overseas, it has dwindled down to almost no churches offering evangelism training. I'm not talking about evangelism training, uh, being like a counselor at an outreach event. I would think you're probably going to have that connected with that Billy Graham thing, and that's good. But I'm talking about another kind of evangelism training that teaches you how to work in your harvest field of unsaved people that you know. It's called lifestyle evangelism, not event evangelism. We need event evangelism. But if that's all we have, we're woefully lacking. I keep coming across people in churches when I do my little informal surveys, uh, and they tell me, a number of them, teary-eyed, that they know that all believers are to share the gospel and to seek to lead people to Christ. But they tell me, I don't know how. I've tried it. It hasn't been a good experience. If you were in the Sunday school hour, you are aware of the fact that I'm back in the United States half time due to the visa situation, but only God knows. <laughs> I might be here full time now if I, between the academic, between the pandemic and the politics, we'll see what God does. But my goal on this side of the ocean is to get the word around to people from coast to coast that there are discipleship courses in evangelism available for people who seriously want to be equipped to carry out their calling. My courses are online. Course one will start in January. If you weren't in Sunday school uh, and you're interested, ask someone who was there and they can tell you about them. Also on the back table, um, there's a bunch of, there's like three fl flyers that are clipped together. And those are about the three courses, discipleship courses uh, in evangelism. Um, <clears throat> these, I just want to let you know, because I know 
that most people will say, nope, you know, I'm not interested. I'm, I'm, it is your calling. It's why God created you and left here, you, after you were born again. I want to tell you that these courses are very different from the standard courses that we've had in evangelism that haven't changed their methodology for, for, for decades. Um, in fact, most students tell me that they, almost everything they're learning is new. You are not being taught a one-size-fits-all methodology, but rather you will be taught biblical principles of evangelism, lifestyle, friendship evangelism, with a heart, a servant's heart. One of the most exciting things for me to witness are students who come into these courses only out of a pure desire to obey the Lord. But they are fully convinced ahead of time that it would be a miracle if they actually found a person who was interested in spiritual things and would be able to lead someone to Christ. But much to their amazement, as they begin experiencing uh, putting into practice the biblical principles of how Jesus planned for us to work in the, in the harvest fields, they begin to see that people are open. Not everyone, but more than you can handle. <laughs> Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. What? Plentiful. Who said that? <laughs> Jesus. Really? Yes, really. And then he goes on to tell us what the problem is. The real problem with the harvest is the laborers are too few. So what does he tell us to do about it? He says, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out more laborers into the fields. Are you regularly praying about that? I have to confess that for, even though I teach evangelism for many years, I kept praying for all the lost people. I had my list long, and I kept doing that. And then about five years ago, met with believers in the Middle East. And you know what? All over those countries, different countries, I found out they have a spiritual discipline they do that they taught me. They have their cell phones. If they have watches, most of them don't. Their home, their Alarm clocks at home set for 10.02. And there's many scriptures where, this, where Jesus has talked in the, in the Gospels, these very words. But in Luke 10.2 is this verse that I uh, quoted to you. And it's a reminder to them to pray that God will send out more laborers into the field. Because in the Middle East, and many other countries around the world, their life is at stake for sharing the gospel. And I got convicted, and I, I set my alarm for 10.02 a.m., but you know what? They do it a.m. and p.m. And the only day that my phone doesn't ring at 10.02 to remind me to pray for laborers to go into the harvest is Sunday. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt the services and whatever. So, but other than that... Friends, this is what we've got to do. And if you start praying for God to send laborers into the field, and of course that means laborers that are equipped. Ephesians uh, tells us that this is people who have the gift of evangelism have this extra responsibility. If you start praying for God to send more laborers into the field, you know who's going to tap on the shoulder first? 
It's going to be you. And uh, will, you, will you go? Will you get equipped before going? That's, that's going to take some, it's going to cost you something, some time. Um, that's the main thing. I pray and I hope that you will do that. Thank you for listening to me and to God. I hope this was not just a lecture this morning. Now, I would like, I found out my director of my mission can sing, and I want him to sing a song for you related to this message. Okay. Oh, okay, I guess it's not the end yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't enjoy it. Okay. Could you stay here so I can pray for you oh, again? Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you, Lois. Um, Lois mentioned, um, so Lois is with, can I say the name of the agency? Yeah. Uh, on the, okay, so, so she's with International Messengers. That's who... Um, her, her sending agency right now, which is an Iowa-based mission. Mm -hmm. And a few, a very few of you probably remember, that's actually the group I went with nine years ago when I went to Poland for a short-term trip. So um, mm -hmm. I think very highly of, of uh, International Messengers and of uh, Dar Darwin. Darwin uh, Anderson. Yeah, Darwin mm -hmm. Anderson. So sing. after the service is over, kind of as a postlude thing, you can uh, hear a song that Darwin sang. He's got this great, great bass yeah, voice really that uh, emphasizes that sense of calling. But um, we'll, we'll close in just a moment normally. But I just wanted to pray for Lois yes, and I uh, for your mission. Yeah, so let's, would you pray with me, please? Lord, we thank you again for our sister, and uh, we just want to lift her up to you. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would give her uh, the strength for the work you've called her to do. Uh, she is uh, uh, an, an encouragement to all of us, Lord, of every age, to, to keep pressing on, and we just thank you for her faithfulness and obedience to you. We pray for open doors for mm -hmm. the work. We pray for the visa situation. We know her heart's mm -hmm. desire is to to be able to, to serve directly overseas, and we just pray you'd open those doors. But Lord, you are the, the king of all the nations, and uh, you know what is best at this season, and so we pray you'd help her just keep being faithful. Mm -hmm. um, wherever wherever she, wherever she the, the rulers of earth let her go or don't let her go. Uh, we pray for the pr protection for, for her partners. Mm -hmm. uh, we even support one of those other ministries, and we would just pray that you would watch over them and protect them, Lord. We pray for this young man she was telling us about and his mm -hmm. work. Watch over him and his family. Uh, it's a battle, Lord. It mm -hmm. is a war. Uh, we see that in the book of Ephesians. We'll see it somewhat in Zephaniah. We see it all over the, over the scriptures. This is serious, serious stuff. And uh, our God is mighty, uh, mightier than all of it and more than up to it. But, but we want to be faithful to keep praying, Lord, and so we are. Um, and, uh, Lord, I would just pray for us. We just close by uh, praying. Uh, there may well be, if, uh, in fact, I'll take it for granted that there, there are people here listening in this room or maybe online uh, who you are calling uh, to a, an overseas and certainly to a, to a stateside, uh, you call us all to be working in that harvest. And so help us be working in our hearts so that we are saying, here am I, send, send me, uh, whether mm -hmm. it's uh, across the street or across the world. Mm -hmm. uh, we look to you, Lord, and we lift our sister up to you in Jesus' mm -hmm. name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you.